Welcome to Book of Angen. It's been a while. Now it is 2021, January 13, and a lot has happened since last I posted something. And since then, I have been contemplating of my own mortality and with that comes a level of fearlessness but this is not some dumb fearlessness where I would risk to jump off of something and hope to land it's more uh, surrounding my experiences and what have I done so far for a 46-year-old man, having lived in various countries and studied various subjects and worked in various fields, allowed me to have this fearlessness. And I'd like to replace that word fearlessness with confidence. Also, I'm watching uh, the current events and how people are voicing their thoughts and their way of communicating with one another. Also, this new vogue of being a victim. Being a victim is becoming a fashion. It is, it's... Uh, it, and it's strictly, it's fueled by lack of confidence. And as, as I said, I've been thinking about confidence quite a bit. And uh, confidence is not, confidence, I don't think confidence is a state. I don't think confidence is a place or it's just a feeling. Confidence is more of a result, more of an arrival of a place in life. For some, for the fortunate ones, they are raised in families where you can be taught not to hesitate, not to dwell too much, to go on and do and try and get dirty with whatever you want to achieve. And then some of us are not that lucky. Some of us are born into families that uh, promotes fear, that promotes caution, or uh, promotes where, how, where and how you should know your place. Perhaps it's not for you. Is that what you want to play with? Don't you want to take life a little bit more seriously? When are you going to stop playing and start getting your degree and such? Some of us have been exposed to these, uh, these family doctrines. And then, then comes the... Uh, the unfortunate, I mean, I don't know if this is a correct way to address it, but 
there are small groups that have experienced misfortune and misfortune by uh, whether by ch you know the choices they have made or cer certain biological imprint puts them in such situations and categories or how your the color of your skin was treated in the environment that you grew up in also determines you know your confidence level for example as far as race goes i come from a place where race is not necessarily a factor skin of your color is not necessarily a factor um, however perhaps people from the eastern parts of turkey will say no that's not the case i myself if you look at some turkish literature would be considered a white turk but then i went to school with all sorts of turks with in all sorts of colors um, there we were taught this history that is boosted with winds and how we are the grandchildren of these successful conquerors um, revolutionists uh, people who promoted change who promoted nobility and loyalty so if you if you are brought up with such history then you do get this winning attitude or winning turns out to be a part of your history part of what you do you expect to win you don't show you prepare to win and we also have examples of the racial issues in the United States and a lot of us a lot of us meaning say if if you're not black or if you're not Mexican or if you're not Asian which I don't know I don't know any Asian person who suffers from uh, confidence issues because their family unions in America promotes winning. They work hard and then they get to places they they are knowledgeable in their subjects. That's what they're known with. Um, but say the black race, they have a defeated background for generations and generations. They 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 served as slaves. And I speak of the black folk here in the States because I also have friends who are black and who are not from the States, who have moved to the States. They have a complete different outlook for life. They are not suffering from this defeated outlook. Same thing goes with, uh, with you know, LGBTQ and all the other letters that alphabet uh, folk they are 
they suffered, you know, as they were coming up here in the States or anywhere else in the world, they were ostracized and outcasts. And what I want to do is I want to figure out how to promote confidence because confidence can be taught. The, the confident, confident attitude can be taught from one generation to another generation. One of the extreme uh, examples for that is, say, our current president, Trump. The family, I have spoken about this in our, in, in, in a previous uh, podcast. The family, the environment he grew up in, he grew up with no fear. He grew up in an environment where it was okay for him to trial and fail and move on. Nothing changed uh, in his life and he didn't have to sacrifice to test drive things. And unlike me, I come from a family that wasn't poor, but the environment we lived in, we were the poor people of that group. We had everything, but when comparing it to our surroundings and all the other families, we weren't as well off as they were. We had everything. We had everything. But there were some uh, there were some issues in regards to accepting certain realities or uh, investing in certain opportunities. So, how can one become more confident? That is the question for me. That is the question. Um, I know how I became confident. Everyone tells me, oh, you're so confident about this, that, the other. Not always, not always. But there's a difference between not being confident and being scared. I'm not scared and I'm not scared. This is the description of how I'm not scared. I'm perfectly aware of the fact that the things I engage with, if I fail, nothing bad will happen to me. Say, when I first got into uh, bike racing, so what if I didn't win the bike race? I just looked at my position and I'm like, well, this race I placed 30th. Next week, I came in 25th. And then for a long time, I was 15th, week after week after week. And then eventually, I just broke top 10. And that took a minute. I, I hung in there in the top 10 for a while. Then I broke top 5. That took a minute as well. I hung in there. It took a lot longer time to win a race after I entered top five, then it did coming out of the top 30 and going into top 20. Essentially what I'm trying to say is you put in some work, you put in some time and both of them 
is absolutely necessary. Nobody's born out of their mother's womb uh, like soup with super fast legs. These, this, this is all accumulation of work. And uh, as time takes place, you learn from your the mistakes. You learn from your mistakes and then you learn that it's okay to make mistakes. Now, the culture I come from, mistakes were treated very, very uh, harshly. The mistakes were treated as if you burnt down the house. No, you just made a mistake. And a simple mistake, as simple as you just had to run back to your computer and fix the typo on this spreadsheet and bring it downstairs. But the response to that mistake was horrible. And the reason it was horrible was perhaps that person was treated like that when he made a mistake. So whoever that superior is got there by someone correcting him in what I would call in a rude fashion, demeaning fashion. Now there's that part of the spectrum and then there is this extremely coddling approach to address a mistake and then anything in between that takes place. Currently, our, I, the way I view the um, culture is we even turn a blind eye to mistakes. Mistakes need to be pointed at and mistakes need to be addressed so you can get better. And calling something that's filled with mistakes awesome is not productive. It's not productive for the person who is hoping to get somewhere because that person is not going to learn anything. And in the meantime, when people try to correct mistakes and they choose this respecting route, if you talk back to them, and by that mean, by that I mean not allowing them to disrespect you, then you run the risk of, in this current culture, of being deemed as difficult to work with. That's sad too. That's extremely sad. If you think about it, someone disrespects you and you tell that person, hey, please don't talk to me like that. Or don't talk to me like that at all. Like if you have a problem, you know, we can we can talk it out, but the route you're choosing, I don't I don't approve it and I'm not gonna let you. And the other party, because they have the authoritarian seat, they get offended because the person who chooses to disrespect you has their own insecurities. 
when you talk back to them or when you tell them, hey, you can't talk to me like that. And I've been exposed to many forms of this. And most of you probably, you know, have your own stories where you've been disrespected by your superior. This is all part of the learning. This is all part of the learning. And uh, this is also part of how one accumulates the level of confidence they are in. That state, the state of confidence, it's priceless. It's priceless. Once achieved, the entire world becomes so much easier. As long as your health allows it, your life becomes very, very easy. And your stress level will be lowered tremendously. Because now you know who you are. You no longer depend on other people's opinion to determine your own self-worth. Recently, I got into a social media tussle with someone. And this very individual was complaining. Well, it was a... It appeared to be an out, like, out, out loud cry about somebody thinks just because this person is gay, they are a sinner and because they are not going to have children, they are committing a sin and they will go to hell. So I told this person, I said, who cares? Who cares what that person says? I got a backlash. I was accused with um, diminishing his problems. I was accused with, as a straight man, I was claiming that his concerns were fake. No, none of those. None of those were true. I do know that people exist that they who frown upon um, being being gay and having you know different sexual preferences. I'm not gonna say sexual preferences outside of the norm because I wholeheartedly believe even in a male and female relationship. There's all sorts of freak shows because everybody's into something. Everybody fucks a little funny to somebody, like Dave Chappelle would say. So, as we went further, a bunch of people jumped into this conversation and they accused me with being a homophobe. They said, as a straight man, how would I understand the problems of a gay man and all sorts of stuff. And what I tried to explain them was, I'm not trying to understand a gay man. Nor I understand, I expect anyone to understand my sexual preferences. Everybody's sexual preference is a very, very personal thing. And... 
say in a heterosexual environment, people are not compatible sexually. That's why you have multiple partners and you soul search to see who you're going to mesh better or worse. Then you move on. Like, haven't you ever had a partner that, like, they were an incredible partner, but in bed, they weren't that compatible to you. I'm not going to say that person was bad in bed, because even though I think I'm a stallion, I can guarantee you some people might have thought that I was in, I was bad in bed when I was with them. Essentially, we weren't compatible. Back to this gay gentleman who is just, you know, crying bloody murder on social media about this, this person that he wouldn't identify uh, is having thoughts about him committing sins and such. So I just said, hey, look, just this is why are you spending your time with this or who cares what that person says how much does that person matter in your life to allow it to ruin your day and all the pushback came and then all the uh, cliches that you hear about you know oh do you really understand and this is the this is the silliest way to educate someone starting it with well, this is my opinion, by the way, obviously, because you're on, you're in Book of Eden. Start trying to educate someone with, you have no idea what it feels like to be this or that or the other. Sure. I think these are all human interactions. As an immigrant, I have dealt with fitting issues, cultural differences, the way I would go about things was laughed at, frowned upon, uh, the, you know, undermined, all sorts of these things happen. But I never thought for one second, oh my God, they are ruining my life. Because I come from a family where we talked out everything, we, we, we ironed out everything. Sometimes it was loud, sometimes it was, you know, louder. But we talked it through and we went to the other side. We, we sorted it out, we ironed it out. In our current uh, environment, nobody's really endorsing talking and letting another idea to come in. So, in that social media argument, I just told the guy, well then, you know, who are these people then? If, if it's this bad, because when I said it's not that bad for you, so don't let it get to you, who cares about these people? What I understood was he was claiming, no, 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 it is that bad. Then I asked these questions. I said, who is making your life this miserable? Who is responsible to make you feel that way? Why don't you introduce me to those people? I got another pushback. I was told, I quote, Who the fuck do you think you are 
telling me that I am miserable, end quote. I was like, hold on a minute, man. When I told you that you're fine, don't worry about it, encouraging you into a better mood and a better place, you gave me a hard time. Then when I said, all right, then you're fucking miserable. You are just, you know, really, it sounds like you're hurting. Who is this person? Or people? Who are these people? I want to know, because I have some questions for them, if they're making your life that miserable. And then you lash back out at me, saying, who the fuck are you to say that I'm miserable? I'm fine. I'm like, which one is it? Are you fine or are you not fine? Or are you just alone and miserable at home and you hope by having this engagement that you created on social media is going to create some sort of sense of connection, which now we all know it is bullshit. Any type of connection one feels via social media or through electronics is empty and that person is doomed to go mental. I promise you this. And as far as confidence goes, I personally don't give a fuck. I really don't what goes on on social media. Sometimes I pray that I get canceled. I will never ever have access to these things. So I don't have to, because I'm, I'm an addict as well. I'm, I'm, I'm as bad of an addict as you are when it comes to social media. Now, some of you might say, oh, Engin, we see what you do on social media. I, you know, you should do what I do and not engage with these people. Well, think about this. How confident are you that you're not addicted to social media? Just because you don't get into arguments with people on social media, that doesn't make you immune from addiction to it. Maybe you're one of those. Maybe you're a watcher. You just watch. Scroll, 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 and you just stare at people's lives. Spend hours and hours on on social media, looking at other people's lives, other people's conversations. And some of you losers come to me in person and say dumb shit like, Egan, why are you falling for these traps? You can't save the world through social media. I'm not falling in any trap. And the person the, the, the recent event, the conversation I was in, it's someone I really know who I think is a very, very talented person who I care about who happens to waste his time and life by focusing on the grim stuff. Thus, creating his own insecurities. Perhaps this person is alone. Perhaps this person needs a hug. I don't know. I don't have all the details on what it is that, th th that this person is suffering from because this person refuses to 
actually sit down and have a face-to-face -face conversation. Most of the um, most of the naysayers to me on social media are completely terrified to sit down and have a face-to-face -face conversation with me. And I'm not bothered by the, I'm not at all bothered when someone disagrees with me. It's okay. I, it, it's not, maybe I'm wrong right now. And I'm gonna be wrong again. But see, that's the confidence part. That's the part that I learned in time. It's okay. Because nothing happens. Nothing happens. With this person that I, I mentioned earlier, worst thing that can happen is that this person will become a musical director in some play. And just because of this tussle we had on social media, he won't hire me as a bass player. But from where I'm sitting, from what I'm looking at, I don't think this person will ever be at the helm of anything. I wouldn't want this person to be at the helm of anything, considering if this person refuses to receive an encouragement and turn that encouragement into a into an insult in his own head that person is dangerous to be at the helm of a large group because that person lacks the empathy and the confidence to be able to make decisions for the larger group And I will continue to dwell on this confidence business. How can I teach confidence? How can I show people that a lot of the things that you get offended about are meaningless? I wish I had the chance, I had a chance to reach out to people of color because it's a, it's a, um, unfortunately, it's a state of mind. Whether you can just like step out the house thinking you're black or you step out the house thinking that you are Bob, Lucy, Jimmy, Carrie, you know, it, like you need to, maybe I should have used some black names here, but I don't, I'm, like, I don't know, Joyce or Ahmed or Derek or, yeah, leave the house as a person. Don't leave the house as a color. Don't leave the house as a sexuality. Don't leave the house as a nationality. Don't leave the house as some sort of a hair color. Leave the house as a person. Lately, you know, everybody's uh, down on Trump and the way he's stirring the pot. But what he is doing, he's also instigating many, many conversations. Disclaimer, fuck Nazis. Fuck anybody 
who brews hate towards any group. In the meantime, I'm not afraid of Nazis. I'll ask the same questions that I, that, that I asked to my gay friend on social media about Nazis. Who are these Nazis? Where are these Nazis? What are they doing? Who are they hurting? I would like to know. Where are they? Because as far as I know, we went and kicked their asses. Nazis lost. And any fool that dons the swastika on their arm or in their house, I would love to sit down and have a conversation with them. Because I know I can pick their argument apart. I can totally pick their argument apart. And it's, it's, I'm confident that they're wrong. It's been a long time since I did my last podcast. And there are so many things that I want to talk about and I want to share. But this confidence business is extremely prominent right now. It's very much on my radar. And I don't want anyone to misunderstand me. I don't refer to confidence as something that is, that is, um, it's, it's not an heroic act. It's, it's a result and it's available to everybody. Here's a good example. My, my older daughter is my stepdaughter. My younger daughter, she's, she's mine. So with my older daughter, because I wasn't there for her for the first 10, 11 years of her life, it took a lot of work to overcome her insecurities. But when you look at my younger daughter, she is full of confidence because she did not grow up being afraid of trying things because I encourage, I've been encouraging her since she was a tiny baby the way she was crawling, the way she was going about things. The, the little baby was on a skateboard scooting bef like soon after, like before she could walk, she could scoot on the skateboard on all fours. But on, the, uh, on my older daughter, I had to, and sometimes again today, I have to remind her seldom, not as often as I when, when we first started, to dismiss the language that is filled with insecurities. And insecurities also create laziness. Tremendous amount of laziness. And what do I mean by the language? Um, 
approaching a problem, she would have she would say, "Oh, I know I'm not going to get this right." I'm like, "Why would you say that? You haven't even touched it yet. You haven't even touched the problem. You just know that there's a problem over there. All you got to do is walk up to it and engage with it and then wrestle with it a little bit." Problems take time to solve. One of my favorite Einstein quotes, quotes is everybody thinks I'm, a, I'm the smartest man alive, but on the contrary, I'm just a person who stays with the problem the longest. This is a culture. This is a culture and this can be taught. It, like I'm teaching my older daughter and as she is, as we, her and I built our rapport for trust. Now she trusts me when I explain her, hey, this is, there's nothing to worry about here. Go there, get involved, mistakes happen, it's okay. It's okay, mistakes happen. Then you'll do it again, you'll try it again, you'll try it again till you get it right. I'm not a genius. This is a culture, this is a culture that I witnessed, that I adapted to my life. And my father, he was, he was into this, he was into uh, encouraging us not to be afraid of it. And he would always say, what can possibly go wrong? How bad is it? How bad is it? If it's a job. I have talked about getting fired before. I've been fired so many times. Nothing happens. You just go find another job. There are a bunch of jobs out there. You can go get it. Oh, my dream job. What is that dream job? What is that? Well, if your dream job is to be a doctor, it is unlikely that you're going to get fired unless you're a dipshit. Because to become a doctor, you have to go through so many paces and get it correct to be a doctor. But if you want to work for a bicycle company, you can do that. If they fire you, you can just reevaluate your situation and say, okay, was I in love with the bicycle industry or was I in love with the idea of this brand? And if you were just in love with the idea of that brand, and you can just say, well, fuck it then. You know, I'll just still ride my bike. I don't have to work for the industry. And I'm wise enough to make enough money to buy myself a bicycle. I mean, all those people who ride like $10,000 bicycles, nobody pays $10,000 for those things unless you're a fool. Everybody with $10,000 bicycle is either affiliated with the industry or getting hookups from the industry. And then there are just a handful of people who will pay cash that kind of money. It's like people buying Rolex. I don't understand why anyone would spend $10,000 on a watch. At the end, that watch shows time and my Citizen or my Seiko watch shows that exact time as well. As long as they have batteries or you know you shook your wrist and adjusted it correctly. So but 
People find happiness or people hope to find happiness with in a Rolex or a $10,000 bike. No, that has absolutely no added value to your confidence. It actually tells me that you are not confident. Because if you were confident, you would have done your research and figure out that $5,000 bicycle does exactly the same thing. $100 watch does the same thing. As long as you know, of course, watch is a fashion piece. It needs to look good. But I rocked Timex watches too for a long time. There's some handsome pieces out there. They're just subtle. Nobody knows what they are. But right now, because my dad loved Citizen and Seiko watches, those are my arm pieces. And you can only wear one of them. I don't know why I have five watches. It's like having, that's excess, I guess. Uh, so there, maybe that was my insecurity or maybe that was my little passion that I wanted to have and a nice arm piece. But they had no added value to my, to my uh, confidence. I will tell you a story about uh, arm watches. I believe it was year two. I was working for the uh, bicycle industry and we went to Las Vegas for uh, for Interbike. And I met some of my former colleagues from the previous uh, company. And, uh, you know, after the expo and everything, we're just sitting around having drinks. Now it's Vegas time, right? Like, we're done with work. It's time to drink, have a good time. We all went to our uh, rooms, changed. I smoked a little bit. And then went downstairs and met up with my friends from East Coast. And as if we said hello, ordered drinks, we're talking. And then out came this obnoxious dude my East Coaster friends knew. And there was a whole hoopla about him coming, arriving to the bar. And they introduced him to me. And this is what this man did to me. When I reached over to shake his hand... He grabbed my hand, twisted my wrist. I wear my watch on my uh, right hand. He twisted my wrist to take a look at my watch. And then he looked at my watch. He looked at my face and made like a kind of a disapproving face. And then threw my hand back at me. I was young. I was young. And at the time, everything in me wanted to punch his lights out. Just full on clock him and then deal with the consequences afterwards. But I wasn't young enough, so I didn't punch him. I just said, fuck it. And I left the scene. Following day, my friends asked me, hey, what happened to you? Da, da, da. I'm like, why'd you guys bring that asshole? Oh, we love him. I'm like, he's an asshole. He's a... He's an asshole. No, nobody caught the interaction that he and I had. I said, this is what happened. He goes, 
No, he didn't do that. I'm like, why would I lie to you about something like this? Why would I lie to you? And now it's been well over a decade and I haven't thought about this. Uh, so, but that just shows if I knew what I know now, I would spend time the entire night waiting for the right moment to crush his spirits because he's out there running around bullying people today, to this day. To this day, he's probably still turning people's wrists, looking at their watches, and then shaking his head. Well, I'll pray for him because that's a sad life. That's a sad life because eventually... The wrist on uh, the, the the watch on your wrist doesn't do shit except tell you the time. The work you put out and the comfort you find in the work you put out determines your happiness. Your family determines your happiness and level of confidence. And speaking of family, I have a history with like all sorts of turmoils in my relationships. All sorts of, like I, I have great childhood friends who would tell me, dude, what is your bad luck with women? And it is true. I had a streak of bad luck up until now, up until now. And, uh, and I'm lucky right now. You know, I've changed. I became more confident in who I am and what I am. So I don't allow others to uh, mandate what I am. Any conversation that starts with, hey, everybody thinks you're this and this, is answered with, who is this everybody? Who is this everybody? Three people? Four people? There are millions of people out there, billions of people out there. I don't think I have, I don't even have 100 people exposure, let alone billions. But there are more people out there that can make you happy. That's why I was advising um, my friend to stop listening to these people who are making him miserable. Because I just recently read this, uh, life starts and ends with you. Other people's opinion of you is meaningless. But if you believe them, perhaps you need to work on that department. Perhaps that part is not cooked yet. Perhaps that part is raw. Well, I'm going to leave it here because, it, like I said, it's been a long time since I posted something. I want to hang something up. I hope I stay in the habit of doing this more and more and uh, so I can I become a little bit more fluent with my thoughts, which was the practice. And hopefully my daughters will listen to this after I'm dead and go, oh, all right, this is what he thought. And I wish, you know, my, my dad had a 
podcast so I could listen to his voice and his take on life. Where he would tell me that, ah, fuck it, seek to it. Don't worry about it. And every time he was right. So I'm t- from me to you, don't worry about it. Confidence is all about knowing what you have done. And that includes all your failures and how you develop skills to recover from those failures. So don't be afraid to make more mistakes. Don't make any heroic moves. Just make reasonable mistakes. And have a wonderful, wonderful day. This was another episode of Book of Engel. God bless you.